0: Sorry. is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer.
1: Recently, Catholic writer and editor Ron Dreher of the American Conservative published a stunning article told or titled Benedict XVI. It's the time of Antichrist. It was subtitled in 2015... Benedict XVI wrote a letter to Catholic statement Vladimir Palco, urging prayer against the, quote, expanding power of the Antichrist, unquote. The short piece was a note of appreciation for Palco's book called The Lions Are Coming, Why Europe and America Are Heading for a New Tyranny. Rob Dreyer is apparently the first to reveal its contents, the essence of which is just one sentence long. And here is that sentence. As one sees the power of Antichrist spreading, one can only pray that the Lord will give us mighty shepherds to defend the church against the power of evil in this hour of need. The power of evil in this hour of need. Well, what does that look like? What would be the components of that? power of evil. Reflecting Pope Benedict's perspective on the Antichrist, well today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that exactly, and I'm glad that you've joined us in this conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, I believe, will be no exception. And so, we're going to interweave today what has been happening in the Vatican, together with what's been happening in the Protestant churches and the peoples of the Protestant churches, and we're going to see collectively how people are responding to the essence of what Pope Benedict wrote about. That is, the coming of the Antichrist. A book has been written posthumously, Pope Benedict XVI, wherein he defended Christianity against claims of intolerance that were coming in the name of tolerance. The title of the book is, What is Christianity? It's a 190-page volume uh, composed of 16 chapters, uh, different things that he has written over time, four of which had never before been published. Pope Benedict says that the next generation of priests of the Roman Catholic Church is on the verge of collapse. What does he mean by that? Another article said that he has written a bombshell from the grave. A posthumous book written by Pope uh, Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI, the former head of the Roman Catholic Church, claimed that pornography, homosexual clubs, and pedophilia had taken root within the church. Then, today, in response, Pope Francis has said homosexuality is a sin, but it's not a crime. He said God loves all his children just as they are, and so he called on Catholic bishops who support the laws to welcome LGBTQ people into the church, because he said being homosexual is not a crime. Well, it's a sin, he says, but it's not a crime. Then again... Pope Benedict railed against the gay clubs that were being run openly in seminaries in America and the Western world. In Israel, a thousand soldiers were forced to attend an LGBTQ lecture that was, shall we say, deceptively presented to them in order to lure them to come in to ultimately hear the lengthy coming-out story of one of Israeli Defense Forces-turned-homosexual men. It's everywhere. Benedict XVI warned of intolerant the intolerant West in his new book published prosumously, said the Catholic Herald. This is a big story, but it's not a story to be understood in and of itself. Because it's part of a much bigger picture. And we're going to take a look at that bigger picture today, even as a 19-year-old Georgia police officer is resigned after he was told by superiors that he could not share his personal religious view on social media, particularly with regard to marriage and the fact that same-sex marriage was not supportable in the Bible. In the Bible Belt of America, he was seriously rebuked and said, if you continue to do this, you're not welcome on the Georgia police force. How are we to understand what's taking place here? Well, one of the best ways for us to understand this is to take a look at the story of Amy Grant. Amy Grant, that's right. And quite frankly, uh, it's... Not necessarily all that surprising that we should have to be confronted with this story. And so I want to take you to an article that appeared today on WorldNet Daily. Larry Tomzak, who has been writing for a very long period of time, commentaries, has a piece called, what is the title of this piece here? Here it is. After hosting lesbian wedding, Amy Grant speaks out. After hosting lesbian wedding, Amy Grant speaks out. Ever since Christian recording artist Amy Grant said she was hosting her niece's same-sex wedding at her farm, people have been perplexed that this professing Christian celebrity was acting to legitimize a homosexual union. Clearly condemned by God. All major world religions and contrary to thousands of years of church history. Interviewed on Pride Source, Amy previously said, I know the religious community has not been very welcoming, but with God, everybody is welcome. Everybody. On Proud Radio, she said, It's so important to set a welcoming table. You're loved, gay, straight, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we behave, it doesn't matter how we're wired. Well, it might sound reasonable to some, but it's totally unbiblical. Franklin Graham responded, well, I guess you could say charitably, but uncompromisingly. He said, yes, we're to love God and love each other. But if we love God, we will seek to obey his word. Jesus told us, if you love me, keep my commandments. God defines what is sin, not us. And his word is clear that homosexuality is sin and that is the practice of homosexuality. For me, loving others, he said, also means caring about their souls and where they will spend eternity. It means loving people enough to tell them the truth from the word of God. So he said, I also made an appeal to Amy, who lives in the same locality. I've ministered with her in music festivals, plus talked with her at her farm, the site of the event being celebrated. Uniting with five respected leaders, one of whom was her original pastor, He said, I reached out to her in private. But she expressed no interest in even reading my appeal. So he talks about his article, Amy Grant to Host Gay Wedding, Does This Honor God? For a clear understanding of the historical biblical position on homosexuality. We're going to finish this article when we get back. And then we're going to hear a very passionate expression from an African-American man who was responding to the whole situation. We're mixing it all together here on Viewpoint today. Today on Viewpoint, we're taking a broad look worldwide at the issue of the practice of homosexuality and how it is being used to radically change our entire world and outlook, yes, even within the purported body of Christ, whether Catholic or Protestant. We were in the midst of taking a look at an article that came out Concerning Amy Grant, the singer who uh, has had amazing success, has given more accolades than any other Christian singer. And she's talking about or she was talking earlier about hosting a homosexual wedding for her niece on uh, Amy's own farm. So Larry Tomczak writes a piece concerning this. And Amy spoke out. Now, Amy is a singer, not a scholar. Her music inspires millions, but her example misleads multitudes, especially youth, says Larry Tomzak. She says, there are many things I don't understand about God. On this critical issue, where there is rampant deception and even coerced celebration, multitudes of faithful Christ followers honor the beauty of God's holiness alongside his love. But Amy finally expressed her response to the controversy in an interview with People magazine on January 16th. The ever-tolerant pop-cultural publication captured her remarks under the title of, quote, Amy Grant on homophobic uh, criticism over niece's same-sex wedding. State what the Bible clearly teaches is sin, and you're stigmatized as homophobic, says People magazine. The article related how the lesbian event took place on the same hillside where Amy and Vince got married. And interestingly, in the year 2000, they got married after both were divorced from their previous spouses. He said, they're wonderful, our family is better, and you should be able to be who you are with your family and be loved by them. Unquote. In November... Amy Grant said, quote, Jesus, you just narrowed it down to two things, love God and love each other. But actually, the book of James says, do you not know that fellowship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world will be an enemy of God. Another singer, one in a lesbian partnership, who described herself as faith-based and, quote, a queer person unquote her name is Brandy Carlisle. told entertainment tonight how much Amy Grant had influence to her life. She said she came out in support of me as a lesbian to have that kind of affirmation from a faith-based artist was really important, said Brandy Carlisle so. Wouldn't it be best to simply play it safe, remain silent, and sit on the sidelines and let the whole thing simply blow over, asks uh, uh, Larry Tomczak? Well, as Christian martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act, and God will not hold us guiltless. Keeping the peace, people-pleasing, And having happy families mustn't become an idol that takes precedence over obeying God and honoring his word. Jesus stated, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. A man's foes will be those of his own household. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Well, everyone will stand before him. Again, I'm continuing to read this piece from Larry Tomczak concerning the matter of Amy Grant and the issue that has gone around the world over homosexuality and lesbianism. Everyone will stand before Christ and give an account of the Day of Judgment. It may be flattering to stand before adoring audiences and gay-affirming presidents, but never at the expense of bringing reproach on the name of the Lord and misleading multitudes to affirm those who promise freedom while they themselves are slaved to depravity. In Genesis 19, we read of a large group of homosexuals who saw men enter Lot's house in Sodom and surrounded it, seeking to have relations with them. But Lot spoke up, pleading with them to not act so wickedly. Their darkened heart, retort, was an angry one for not being welcoming. And soon, they and those of the city were severely punished for their perversion by God. Well, recently, Philadelphia Flyers hockey player Ivan uh, Provorov refused to wear a rainbow jersey for the team's Pride night. He respects all people, but does not want to violate his conscience and adversely influence others due to his Christian faith. Similarly, evangelist Mario Murillo explained that his absence from a program was due to the fact that he didn't want to adversely influence people because of his appearance with a leader who openly associated with two false prophets. In other words, you and I have influence no matter what you may think, whether you want to have influence or whether you think you don't have influence, you do. Christians are the only people many people read. The power of influence is a sacred responsibility, may be vigilant never to lead people astray. Unfortunately, there's now a so-called Christian group calling themselves Faithful America, who started a petition supporting Amy Grant with over 15,000 signatures, as if somehow you can democratically overturn the word of God. Well, here's the deal. There's hope for America and another great awakening if Christians remain humble, obedient, and faithful to God's word. Yes, we love brides, but the preeminent one is the bride of Christ, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So, Larry Tomczak, at the end of his piece, suggests that we listen or watch a special three-minute YouTube presentation, which he says is very powerful. Well, you can't watch it over this program, but you can listen. And I tell you, yes, indeed, it is powerful. And so I urge you with patience to listen as carefully as you can. Here we go.
0: There are three simple changes I tell all of my arthritis patients to make.
1: Well, that is not the one that said it was. Okay, let's see what we can do. This is uh, quite amazing. Well, in any event, we're going to uh, have to go back to the drawing board and see why uh, the promised piece did not uh, show up. And so we'll move forward from there. Hopefully we'll be able to find it because it is very powerful. So let's talk about uh, what we're talking about here. Let's Let's apply it as best we can. The reality is that the homosexual movement is being used as the camel's nose in the door, so to speak, to open up every possible uh, resistance and reconsideration of all God's words with regard to the matter of life itself itself and marriage and every other issue of life itself. Whether it has to do with abortion, whether it has to do with homosexuality uh, and lesbianism, whether it has to do with transgenderism, whether it has to do with pedophilia, bestiality, it really doesn't matter. Because as the Pope uh, Francis has said, all are God's children. Now, what does that mean? when Pope Francis says that all of people are God's children and God loves all his children just as they are, and then he calls on Catholic bishops around the world to support the laws to welcome LGBTQ people into the church. Now, for 10 years, ever since Pope Francis came into uh, leadership over the Roman Catholic Church, Pope Benedict having resigned, Pope Benedict now, upon his death, authorized this uh, book to be released in order to make a commentary on what he saw happening within the Roman Catholic Church. What he saw happening was the introduction of the spirit of Antichrist. He said it's rampant. It's moving very quickly. And then he begins to give some examples of what that looks like. Now, what does it look like? Well, uh, that's an interesting question. What does it really look like? Well, it looks like exactly what Pope Francis is saying it looks like. In other words, you receive everyone. There are no more any biblical restrictions particularly with regard to behavior to allow you to enter in and become part of the Roman Catholic Church, according to Pope Francis. Now, that would not be the case under Pope Benedict. But under Pope Francis in the last 10 years, he has been doing everything he can to grease the skid, so to speak, for everyone to get into the kingdom and by getting into the kingdom, if you let them in, from Francis's viewpoint, if you let them in to the Roman Catholic Church, they are automatically part of the kingdom of God. That's the viewpoint. Therefore, even though he admits that homosexuality is a sin, it doesn't matter. Because we're letting them in the Roman Catholic Church. What he is in fact doing, and whether or not uh my... Uh, Catholic friends realize this or not, the Pope is in effect saying that he is equal to God or superior to God because he is superimposing his view, his desire, his hope and his message of salvation over that of the scripture. Pope Benedict makes it clear that there's only one way that Jesus is the only way the only truth and the only life pope francis is making it increasingly clear that he believes that it's through the papacy that you receive salvation that it's through if the if the pope blesses in effect homosexual marriage or homosexual practices or transgenderism or whatever these things are if the pope puts his blessing on it and allows a freewheeling openness to come into the Roman Catholic by virtue of that expression of welcoming, as Amy Grant was talking about, as a Protestant, you are in effect declaring something totally contrary to the word, will, and ways of God. Now, isn't it interesting that the Bible says very clearly that without holiness, no man will ever see the Lord. Now, what is holiness? Well, holiness is coming apart, being sanctified, set apart, coming apart to live according to the word, the will, and the ways of God. So, Jesus says, be ye holy, even as I am holy. Be ye holy. Be ye holy. That's a message that comes from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, including the Apostle Peter. Be ye holy, for I am holy. How can you at once, as a Pope, claim that you're calling the people to be holy when in fact you are desecrating the very definitions of holiness in, in terms of human behavior and attitudes to defile the people that you're claiming are to be welcomed into the church. In effect, what you're actually doing is welcoming in a counterfeit bride, a counterfeit bride into the church. Now, that is not a pretty picture, friends. That is not a pretty picture at all. A counterfeit bride into the church? Yes, a bride without that has spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Because God loves everyone. You see the problem with the message of love? It's being distorted. It's being perverted. It's being redefined according to the spirit of this age. And now, we have located... A, well, I thought we did. We'll be back after this. Stay tuned, friends.
0: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the Marriage section, God has marriage on His mind.
1: And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and today we're dealing with a very, very difficult and painful subject where within the broader Roman Catholic Church and within the Protestant Church, we are collectively redefining the name, the mean of holiness, the uh, uh, what it means to walk in righteousness and in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, and now it's redefined to mean, I'm okay. You're okay. Let's all sing kubaya, hold arms together and be in love. Well, that's not the love that the Bible talks about. The love that Bible talks about is sacrificial love that is exactly like God's love. He didn't accept sin. Jesus did not accept sin. Somebody might say, well, uh yeah, you can say that, but how about the woman that was thrown uh, out to him, caught in adultery? Didn't he say, uh, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more? Well, he did say that, but what you're forgetting is what happened before that. They brought the woman, the religious leaders brought her, and from Jesus' viewpoint, he knew that this woman was dead bang guilty of adultery. And the penalty for adultery was given in the Torah as a death penalty. She was to be stoned. The religious leaders knew that, and so they were testing Jesus. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? So Jesus said, he he didn't even speak. He, He bent down and he began with his finger or a stick or something in the sand to write whatever it was. And one by one these accusers disappeared. One by one, they disappeared. Apparently, he was writing something that was so profoundly convicting that they were embarrassed to stay there and bring an accusation against that woman. Eventually, every single one of the accusers left. Now, here's what people are never taught. The Torah required that in order for judgment to be carried out to convict this woman, it had to be through two or three witnesses whose witnesses agreed. So Jesus turned to the woman, and he said, where are those that witness against you? And she says, there are none. So Jesus, under the Torah, could not condemn her under the law. So he said, basically, he said, look, you know, and I know that you were guilty. But there are no, under the law, I cannot condemn you. So go and sin no more. He didn't excuse her from her sin of adultery. He recognized it and called it what it was. He didn't let her off the hook. He conformed to the word, will, and ways of God. It was the hypocrisy of the leaders in their own life that brought this about, not Jesus excusing the woman caught in adultery. Now, that having been said, I believe that I have at last located the special three-minute piece that I really wanted you to hear concerning this, uh, uh, and I don't even know who the gentleman is, on YouTube who is speaking concerning this matter of Amy Grant and uh, the danger of what she is doing through her example to the body of Christ and, yes, even the whole world. Here we go.
2: Concerns me in regards to Amy Grant. Before I give you my take, I want to give you some details of her influence among the Christian culture. She has won six Grammy Awards. 26 Dove Awards, including many other honors. And this is over a 40-year span of her career. Take a look at this. She has sold over 30 million albums, making her the best-selling Christian pop artist of all time. Now, her for being a great Christian singer. But look at what she's promoting the Pride Rainbow. Pay attention, everybody, to their fruits because they are corrupt. And the enemy is using her influence to lead many people astray. Amy Grant is not only an ally for the world, but she's twisting. The scriptures to justify their ungodly lifestyle. Look at this. She's going to host what? Your niece, same gender wedding. This is Amy Grant, y'all, who they call the queen of Christian music. This proves you can sing about God, but not believe in his word. This is a perfect picture. Of a lukewarm Christian that loves the world more than they love God. But I'm here to tell you, God has a standard. And He set that standard in the book of Genesis when He created Adam and Eve. God bless you. Five words?
1: Indeed, He did set the standard. I'm glad we were able to bring that up, and I hope uh, that you found it to be helpful. Uh, yes, encouraging to realize that your life matters. Whether or not you're a great singer, a great writer, uh, a great speaker, or don't feel like you're great at anything, your life counts. Every single one of us has an influence. Every single one of us is an influencer. You don't have to be part of... uh Uh, social media and all of their so-called influencer addiction. No, every single one of us is an influencer. The question is, what kind of influence are you and I making? That's the real issue. What kind of influence are you and I making in our world? Now, let's start with what kind of influence we're making in the church You see, if we're not making a godly influence in the church, then how could we possibly be making a godly influence in the world? No matter how much we might like to uh, rationalize it. So here we have Pope Francis now, who for 10 years now has been trying to, shall we say, straddle the fence from the kingdom of God to the kingdoms of this world. He wants to be liked. He wants to be seen as ushering, shall we say, the papacy into the new world, this new world culture that everything goes, and it's okay because ultimately God loves all his children. Now let me talk about that for just a moment. But before we do, I want to urge you to get a copy of my book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Do you not see that that's exactly what we're talking about here? This is a world of of deception. And so great is the deception that the previous Pope, Benedict, resigned and then gave orders not to release this book, which actually is a serious condemnation of what's going on under the regime of Pope Francis. He didn't want it to come out when he was still living. He said, wait until I'm passed. He just passed a few uh, weeks ago at the age of 95, and he says the next generation of priests is on the verge of collapse. Why? Well, it's because... Their homosexual clubs in Catholic seminaries. And he said the next generation of priests is on the verge of collapse. This was in his book, published after his death, just came out. And uh, he said he charged that some bishops are allowing trainee priests to watch porn as an outlet for their sexual urges. In other words, don't have sex. Don't marry someone and don't engage in sex. Just do it in your mind. When Jesus said, whoever, he said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, whoever has looked upon a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his mind. Oh, so adultery is not just a matter of The sexual union, it's a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the thinking. Now, that's tough talk for troubled times, isn't it? That's very tough talk for troubled times. But apparently the Pope doesn't want to attend to that particular understanding of Jesus' message. No, he just wants to say that all people are God's children, and God loves all his children just as they are. So instead of singing the old gospel song that Billy Graham had us sing, just as I am without one plea, no, the Pope says, come just as you are, you're okay, and you don't need to stop sinning. Have you
0: ever considered what the early church was like? incredible but the same can be found right now go to save and click sell church we can revive first century christianity for the 21st century it's about people not programs it's about a body not a building that's save click sell church
1: at this time i call sell church to actually be home church home church. That's where it's leading, home church. So you'll hear the word cell church, but translate it as home church. And I'm not talking about you sitting at home, uh, watching the television and uh, hearing somebody speak. That's not home church. Home church involves other believers, as many as you can muster. And that's why the scripture says that as we see the day of the Lord returning, uh, shortly coming, we should not forsake the assembly of ourselves together with other believers, but we should the more so gather together because, well, of the need for encouragement, but because of the exceeding deceitfulness of sin. So, that leads us back to the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Deception comes on uh, on many uh, different veins, in many different ways. And this book deals with so many. of I received a, a card just today from somebody who had just completed reading the book, and he said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sending this book. Yes, indeed, from my perspective, he said, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. On our website, saveus.org, that's saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, I want to... uh, move further here to take a a look further at this matter of uh, the claim that all people made in the image of God are God's children, and therefore they should be received just as they are without repentance. Because that's exactly what Pope Francis is saying. God loves all his children just as they are, so he called on Catholic bishops to welcome them all. LGBTQ and whatever additional uh, letters you want to add to it, every perversion under the sun, just welcome them all. Friend, you can't do that. You're not welcomed into the fellowship of the believers if you're not a believer. And if you're refusing to agree with the word, will, and ways of the Lord as expressed in the scripture, you are still not a believer even though you profess to be a pope. Being a pope doesn't make you a believer. Any more than walking into a garage makes you a car. You can make all kinds of sounds like a car, but you're not a car. So who are God's children? God's children, or the family of God, the family of believers, are those who are converted... Who have passed from death unto life by their conversion, by their confession of sin, without excuse, their receiving of Jesus Christ and his shed blood for the remission of their sins, and who from that time forward walk in righteousness and holiness, agreeing with the word, will, and way of God. For the scripture says, can two walk together unless they be agreed. Are you listening? And we're wrapping together a whole lot of passages, so that we can understand the simplicity. It's not it's not difficult. It's about a relationship. You cannot say that you're in relationship, uh, a godly or Christian relationship, with Christ and with the Father, if you are in rebellion against the Father's word, will, and ways in your own mind and heart. God is not going to tolerate rebellion in his house. Just not going to put up with it because God is holy. It's not because he doesn't love. It's because he loves more than you believe. He loves in a different way than you're thinking about. It's not just about feelings. It's about righteousness. God is God. He is righteous. He is holy he is without blemish and so the scripture says that he's not going to welcome anyone into his family into his kingdom that isn't without blemish that's correct now does that mean that we're all that we're all going to have to be absolutely perfect no what it means is that when we confess our sin He's faithful and just to forgive our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and he expects us to walk in the ways of his word and his will. Jesus said, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, whether he be a pope, a pastor, a priest, or a politician, or a prime minister, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to inherit the kingdom. Only those who do the will of my Father. Matthew chapter 7. It's very clear. No, you can't gain your salvation by works. But if your life does not reveal what you say, you believe, no matter when you confessed that Christ is your Savior, you know, no matter when you went through the process, no, you're not you got into the starting blocks in the race, but you didn't run the race. Maybe you ran the first lap in the race, but you didn't finish the race. Maybe you ran the second lap in the race, you didn't finish the race. Maybe you went through th- three times around a quarter-mile uh, track, but you didn't finish the race. If you don't finish the race, you don't get the prize. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, so run that you might receive the prize. We're trying to put it in a a variety of ways based upon what the Scripture says so that we can understand it in its simplicity. It's not difficult to figure out. So, one has to ask themselves why would Pope Francis be doing everything he can to nullify the the clear and keen words of the scripture in order to make a broader range of people feel better and be more included, shall we say. Because he's bought into the modern inclusivity doctrine. It is a doctrine of the world, inclusivity. Now, the Bible is very inclusive in that everyone who comes to the Lord in repentance and will walk in truth, demonstrating that they really believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died for their sins, everyone who does that will be included But if you do not, you're not included. And they don't like that. Pope Francis knows they don't like that, and so he's playing games. He's playing spiritual footsie now with the world. Why would he do that? Well, for one reason, the same reason that many pastors are doing that. They've been doing that since the 1970s. First through the God is Love movement, That led them to the seeker, led them to the uh, church growth movement that led them ultimately to the seeker sensitive movement and then finally to the emerging church movement. All of these were progressive applications of the same thing that Pope Francis is doing during his 10 years in the papacy. Watering down what God has said in order to try to make the kingdom of God more inclusive on man's terms, not God's. So Pope Benedict is very clear. I don't agree with everything he says because he, he stands for positions, uh, that I believe are contrary to the word, but not with regard to issues of, uh, Christian life. He embraces those and he's warning He's warning the world, particularly the Western world, and particularly the papacy, that the papacy is playing footsie with the Antichrist. That's what he's saying. Now, here is what uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth said in his uh, before his book came out. He said, in not a few seminaries, students caught reading my books are considered unworthy for the priesthood. He said, my books are concealed as dangerous literature and are read only in hiding. Now, why is that? Because he was perceived to be the one who was trying to hold the line for righteousness in the Catholic Church. But... Pope Francis despises that and is doing everything he can to open the floodgate to disagree with what Jesus said about straight is the gate and narrow is the way and precious few there be that find it. And now he's trying to open it and say, no, uh, wide is the gate. So we're going to bring everybody in No matter how you choose to live, it doesn't matter. Because you're all God's children, so come on in. What is behind that, friends? What is behind? What's the motivation ultimately behind that? Would you like to know? Here it is. The motivation behind that is the intention and belief that the whole world must be brought under the mothering wings of the papacy, the Vatican. And whatever it takes to do that, that's what we're going to do. Because we're seen by the world as the moral authority. We're just going to change the moral authority. We're going to welcome everybody. Would you like to know why that is? Well, here's the reason. Are you ready for this? The reason is that the Pope and the papacy for years has been fashioning itself as the religious foundation for the new world order, the new global government. So if you're going to be seen by the secular leaders attempting to imp, uh, implement a new global government, a new world order, then you're going to have to appear to play their game. Well, what is their game? Inclusivity. You got to get the maximum number of people on your bandwagon so that they can be easily led to submit to a new world Order. Now here's the problem. Are you following now? The problem is that the papacy ultimately thinks that the Pope will rule the world. So, even in papal documents, they have made it clear that the Pope is to rule the world not from the Vatican but from Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. And that's the reason why, for the past 20 years, the Vatican has been seeking to gain dominion over all of the Christian sites, historical Christian sites, in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, and in Israel itself. Now, if you want to know more about that, you might want to get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain, The Epic Eternal and End Time Battle, where it is said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. That's a $20 book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org. If you get that in Seduction of the Saints together that we've talked about here on the program, it'll be only $7 postage and handling for the two books combined, so you'll save another $3. Again, King of the Mountain, The Other, Seduction of the Saints. These books will help you to understand and to walk in truth in our time. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Send your gifts, friends, by faith to Save America Ministries. These are tough times, very tough times, and they're getting tougher. Stand. And having done all to stand, friends, have your loins good about with truth. Listen to
0: Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again
1: next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.